Generally in the summer, we start here in Shea, Pirkei Yavos, and there is a specific reason why we do it, the way we do it also, and I want to explain it, it's very, very interesting, we've done this now for the last few years, what's that? Also, we're going to get to that as well, one by one, one thing at a time. So we are starting now Pirkei Yavos, a couple of reasons, let me begin like this. There's a Mordeke Ramah, in Shabbos, and Simon Reish, Sadi Beis, Beis. Well, the Ramah brings down as follows, and I'm bringing the Loshan of the Ramah. The Ramah says, Avol Oymrim Perkyovus Bekayitz. That in the summer, we say Perkyovus. Why do we do that? It's interesting why we do that, because we find very much that, um, many of the Svarim Akdoshim, for example, the Chosid Yaivitz, the Avudram, and others bring down that we learn Perkyovus during the summer months. Uh, however, we find that some people have an Indian to learn, like the Major Shmuel says over here, Perkyovus from Pesach to Shavuos. So what is it? Are we learning Perkyovus in the summer months, or are we learning Perkyovus from Pesach to Shavuos? So different minhagim in Klali, so the Levush, in Hilchus Pesach, and some in Topsari Gimel, Siddala brings down, that the Ikim Minig was, according to everyone, to learn Perkyovus between Pesach and Shavuos. Why? What is Perkyovus? Let's understand for a moment... What exactly is Perkyovus? For all of those, and I know there are many of you that have learned Perkyovus before, and even if you've learned it, there are so many different ways of learning Perkyovus. I, I also, I believe that Perkyovus could be one of the greatest, most written about Sfarim than any other Sefer apart from the Chumash. Maybe the Haggadah Shol Pesach, right? Every year there's like more Haggadahs that seem to just come out. It's amazing. But Perkyovus, you can fill up shelves and shelves and shelves of Mephorshim from Mishonim and Achroinim and Heimdike Rabbonim on beautiful Torahs and Perkyovus. It's incredible how many different ways there are to learn Perkyovus. Why is that? What is Perkyovus? So if you learn Perkyovus, and we're going to be doing it Be'ez Hashem every day in Shein, another Mishnah, it's all about life. It's about Midas Torahs. It's about characteristics. It's about improving our character. We're all familiar with the Vilna Goin. We mentioned here before. The Vilna Goin said that one of the main purposes of us, us being in this world is to masakin our midas, is to improve our character. That's why we're here. So in order to do that, we have to learn Perkyovus. I mean, there are many Svarim we can learn, but especially now after Pesach, between Pesach and Shavuos, and as the Lavush says, it became the minig of people to continue all throughout the summer. They do Chazorah, Kiru, another Perik again, because it's such an important limud. Shabbos also is a bit of a longer afternoon, there's more time to learn. And that's why people are demanding to continue until the end of the summer as well. But the Iker idea is, the idea is, is that there are six weeks, because there are six Prokim and Perkyavas, but we know there are seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos, because the last week we do Chazar and everything. So the idea is, and as we know, the meaning of many shuls around the world is to say a perik every Shabbos. If you're by a shul the last couple of weeks, you know it's a Shabbos afternoon, they said a perik. So we don't do that. We just do one Mishnah a day. What I've done over here in Yeshiva is that we do a different perik every year. So we've done the first four prokim. We're now going to do the fifth perik, Be'ezah Hashem. Every perik is Chashem, but we're not going to be finishing the whole perik of us anyway. So we're just going to do a perik. Be'ezah Hashem will try to finish the perik uh, this month which means we're going to have to move because we've only got, like, what is it, nine weeks, ten weeks, whatever it is. But we're going to try our best to get through it. Now, Rabbi say, every Mishnah is a gem. The Mishnahs of Prakiyavas are literally gems that teach us how to live. And often, when you learn the Mishnah, you'll be like, 
this is not like helping me in my life. Why am I learning this? Like, uh, we'll do today's mission, for example, and I'll ask the Olam, like, what is this telling us in our lives? So we're going to Be'ez HaShem, to different Mepharshim, a different Sfarim, try to bring out what is the message practically for us, for this Mishnah, for our lives. Because that's what Prikriyavas is. Okay? Prikriyavas is a very, very important limud for us to remember. Uh, it's brought down in the Kadmonim, and uh, they bring down the Levush as well. That the idea is to like have a lot of old Torah mitzvahs where a person learns Pukuyavas, he understands more about himself, understands about more his obligations to Torah, to the world, and to each other. The Marel famously says that we're on this world to improve our connection with the Rabbinish Lolam, with other people, and also with ourselves. And much of Pukuyavas is very, very much geared towards that. Of course, each parrot dealing with a different Indian, each Mishnah dealing with a different Indian. So it's very, very exciting. I'd like to do that. And afterwards, after that, we're going to probably go through a little bit of Hilchah Shabbos, what you guys learned in the morning, which is now Hilchah Mokta. Today, we're going to talk about the introduction of Hilchah Mokta. And then, as I requested a little bit in Yonim of dating and marriage, that we're definitely going to get to as well. I'd like to get to that, which is important, to understand uh, some ideas of dating and marriage for ourselves and for the future. We've got a lot to discuss, Be'ez Hashem. We've got a packed month. Really, really, really great stuff happening, Be'ez Hashem. Incentives you guys don't know about, all the Shabbos programs. It's beautiful. But let's let's just, just discuss the uh, subject at hand over here, which is the Mishnah Aleph in uh, Perkyavos. I, I gather you guys don't have a Mishnah with you today, but if you want, there are Mishnayas, Perkyavas, and the Mishnah you can bring with you. Every Mishnah sometimes is done differently. In other words, what we'll do is Mishnah Hay might be Mishnah Vov in some editions, because it's split up in different Mishnayas in different ways. But we'll, we'll do it according to the, the state of most. Uh, we'll start with Mishnah Aleph. Okay, everybody, so listen to this. Very interesting Mishnah. Very interesting Mishnah. And we're going to have to see how this applies to us. Okay? First Mishnah, Perik Hay. Fifth Perik, let's begin. The world was created with ten statements, with ten sayings. Okay? I'm going to tell you, by the way, the Olam requested marriage. There's an amazing insight to marriage from this Mishnah. Okay? Just remind me. If I forget it, please remind me. But let's just first learn Poshim Shat and understand the Poshim Shat of the Mishnah, and then we'll go into some of the deep ideas of what's going on behind the scenes. The world was created with ten sayings. So to speak, the, the Rabbani Shalom Kaviyachal created the world with Kaviyachal ten sayings, ten statements. Right? Of, of course, the Rabbani doesn't speak, but it's just a way of us understanding it on our physical level that the Rabbani spoke ten sayings to create the world. Umat asks the Mishnah, quite an unusual question. The Mishnah doesn't really ask so many questions, but... What is teaching us? What do we care how the Rabbanshim created the world? That's good with ten and not five and not one. Like what's up? Ella and Bahaloi Bamaima Echod Yochali Boros. The Rabbanishlan could have very easily have created the world with one statement. And I think it was it was it's not beyond Hashem to create the world by just one. What, 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 why ten? What's the number 10 dafka? And I'm sure the Olam knows what they are. If not, I'm gonna tell you what they are as well, because they are quite important. But the Mishnah says, Ella, the reason why the Rabbi Nisham created them in ten different statements, lihipara minarishayim, to basically, so to speak, take, you know, to recompense, the, the, to, to, re, to punish, so to speak, the, the, the Rishayim out there. Right? Which we'll have to understand what that means. What's the punishment exactly? Right? Well, what, what is the punishment for the bad deeds that the Rishayim do because Hashem created the world in ten sayings? We're going to have to understand that. Rishayim in this world are destroying the world. And we're going to have to understand how that affects us 
when we do something that we shouldn't be doing, in some sense of the world, we are destroying some part of the world by doing something bad. We'll discuss it. But also, there's a positive. And that is that the Rabbanjim created the world with ten sayings to give reward for the tzaddikim. Shemekaimin esa'olam shenibabasa'amamaris. That are mekaim the world that was created with ten sayings. So before we move on, does the item, let me ask, does the item know what the ten sayings are that the Rabbanjim was said to create the world? Does anyone know what they are? Right? Should I, should, I tell, should, I, should I go through them? Yeah. Okay. Let me go through them very quickly. What are the ten sayings that the Rabbanishim said in order to create the world? Number one, I'm, you're familiar with all of these, but it was split them into, you know, ten lists. Number one, that's number one. The Rabbanishim created Shemayim Ba'oretz. That was saying one. Saying number two, base. There should be light. Number three, Number four, the waters. Number five, Tadashaya uh, Oretz, right? Everything should sprout. Number six, Yehima Oyres Birakia Shamayim, right? The sun, the stars. Number seven, Yishritsu Amayim. Number eight, Totsa Oretz Nefesh Chaya. This, of course, is all the animals and everything. Number number nine, Vayomelekim Nase Adam. That's human beings, was the ninth statement. And number ten, Vayomelekim Loy Tovos Adam Levada Esala Eza Konegdai. That's Chava, wife. That's number 10. Okay? So these are the 10 statements that the Revolution created. I just want to say one thing, which is such a beautiful idea. I heard this years ago, and it's so incredible, and it's so true. Now that we learned this mission, let's put it into perspective for a minute. The Rabbani Shalom created a saying to create Odom Harishan, man. The, the Rabbani Shalom then decided, for whatever reason, and we're not going to go into now how, how he decided in that way, it's not good for a man to be alone. Let's create him a partner. A wife, Chava, came into being. Okay? Now, it's actually quite amazing that, um, it's actually quite amazing that we have two separate mamoros, two separate statements for both one for man and one for woman. Okay? One for man and one for woman. Now, there are those that say, there are those that say that um, the Rabbi Shalom created, in other words, when it comes to the tenth statement, there's a machlokas exactly which one it is. I told it to you in a posh way, it was creating a wife. There are those that say it was differently. Uh, some say it was pruvu, which is to, to multiply. But whatever it is, it's very, very interesting how there has to be two separate mamoris. That means man and woman were created so different that they're so not alike, that there had to be two separate statements that they should be in the world. That's an amazing thing. So when you have a man and a woman that get married together, it's not a natural thing that they can live together. Just like there had to be a separate mimer saying for a giraffe and a man, because they're different, there had to be a separate saying for a man and a woman, because they're totally different. And therefore, when you have a man and a woman, that are living together, and they're trying to be happily married, and they're trying to create a good, happy, positive atmosphere, and bring children into the world, and create a home that's able to have, you know, connection to Hashem and Torah mitzvahs. That's not a positive thing. That should not be taken for granted. Because like I said, there had to be a separate mimer for an ant, 
and a human being, because they're separate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have created man and woman together in one Maimah, but no. They're so different, they're created differently. And that's something we should recognize. Because people often, you know, when it comes to being married, it's like, ah, it's so difficult, what do I do in this situation? She's different and she wants, she thinks differently, she acts differently. She has a different thought process, she has a different upbringing. It's done, it, it has to be worked on, it has to be nurtured. A relationship is not natural between a man and a woman. The connection might be, the attraction for sure, the Rebunishman created that in the world. But the fact that we see from this Mishnah, that there's two different mamores, two different statements to create them, is incredible. But anyway, that was just, <coughs> excuse me, to mention the ten mamores. What I want to mention is, just first of all, the kasha that many of the Rishonim ask, is that, um, what does it mean? The Rabbani Shalom created the world. It doesn't say, Vayoyma Hashem. It doesn't say, Vayoyma Hashem, and Hashem said to create them. So the Rishonim answered, because there was no one in the world for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to speak to, Kaviyoch will speak, and therefore there's no reason to him to say that. But, well, his speech is a way of us understanding speech. But of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have the same idea of speech as we have. We speak, and it's a physical thing. The Bershom has a way of speaking that we don't understand, but we call it speaking so we can have some understanding of what that means. But let's understand this in a very important way. And that is a couple of things. Why did the Rabbani Shalom create the world in ten things? Why? What has this got to do with us? How is this helping our lives? How is this improving our lives? What are we meant to take from this Mishnah? That Hashem created the world in ten sayings. Very beautiful. We learn Bereshis. We now know what they are. We all recognize them. We can count them ourselves. Why did Hashem create them in ten? Just do it in one. What's ten? Why? What? What? But, but, but what lesson for our lives? Perfectly obvious is full of lessons. What is the lesson for our lives? Why? Hashem could have created them in one shot. Why did he do it in, in, in things? So a couple of ideas I want to share with the Olam. Number one, the Rabbani Shalom, and we mentioned this today, by the way, in Shein, when we talked about uh, smoothing, the Malach of Shah, what we're doing now in Shein in the morning at 9.40, I mentioned this idea that anything that's important, you care about the details. Details are important to you. And when people ask, do you think God really cares if my tefillin is like a bit this way or a bit that way? Or do you think God really cares if I take the cucumber out of the salad first because I want to eat it? Or I take the pepper out? Like, does it make a difference to God's life? How I do boyre? How I do bishul? Like, do you read God is... The whole world! He's busy making shidduchim! He's busy doing so many things! He cares about how I, like, cut up my vegetables on a, on a Shabbos morning? The answer is, when something is important to you, the details are also important. And therefore, the Rabbani Shalom is demonstrating to us, in this Mishnah, that the world was so important to him. The world was something that he really took care of and he wanted to create. And he wanted to create it with such beautiful detail that he took ten mamores and something that he could have done in one just to show us the detail and how much care that he has in the world that we live in. And that's something important, by the way, just to remember. You know, we look out at the world. We've been dealing with, you know, those of you that have been following the Daily Shurim, I don't know how many guys have watched it. Could be I did it for myself and nobody watched it. I don't know. I did it because I wanted the guys to have something to learn and I felt that 90 seconds wasn't too long, Benaz Manim, to ask the Olam to open up a share. But the last few days, we were doing the amazing wonders of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's body of the world that he created us with, which is amazing. And if you guys are with us, we did the heart, we did the kidneys, we did the lungs, and we did saliva, right? Uh, we stopped now because of this mom, but if it's I'd like to continue Benaz Manim in the summer because I believe it to be a very important subject. It's something that I'm very, 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 I hold it to be Choshev because the Chodos Halavavos and others from talk about how much love and 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 or we can get for the Rabbi Nishram just by studying his creations. 
So if we look at the world and we look at what Kodesh Baruch created, just take fruits and vegetables for a moment, right? Revigda Miller talks about this all the time. Take fruits and vegetables. These are naturally, these are things that, yes, of course, we have to plant and we have to water them and nurture them. Of course, we have to do our ishtadlas. But ultimately, it comes from the Rabbani Shem. The Rabbani Shem could have made one fruit, one vegetable, and say, here you go. You've got all the nutrition and minerals, whatever you need from this one fruit, this one vegetable. But no. The Rabbani Shem says, I'm going to give you cucumbers, I'm going to give you peppers, I'm going to give you bananas, I'm going to give you pomegranates and apples and pears and oranges and strawberries and grapes and all different things which have different colors, different shapes, different tastes, different seasons, all different things. And there's so many varieties even within grapes. I was in America, somebody showed me, I never saw this in my life, I was in five towns. Somebody took me shopping in a store over there and they had grapes in a flavor, natural, of cotton candy. You saw it? I brought them home to my kid. The guy thought I was crazy. He said, you're taking that to Eretz Two packs of grapes. Back to Eretz I said, my kids never saw this. This is Gavaldic. It's beautiful. They're very... You want to have? Really? Natural. It's not like flavor. They didn't inject it. Isn't that... That's the Ravon shop. Did you look at that and say, that's God? You know what? Well, you should. Because the Rabbani Shalom puts so much detail in the world because he cares about the world. And it's our job to look at the world and say, wow, Rabbani Shalom, you created this world for us to enjoy. Why do Rabbani Shalom give cotton candy grapes? For us to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy this world. There are people that walk around with this idea that you're not allowed to enjoy the world. Try to be Polish as much as possible. And again, there is some level to that. There is some madriga to that. It's not for us. The Rabbanshan wants us to enjoy the world to the maximum. Of course, in the right way, in the right mahalach, for the right kavana, with the right intentions, with the right goals, obviously. But we, we're meant to enjoy the world. The world is beautiful. Look around at the world and what we see, what we have. It's, it's kavaldic. So the first lesson that I believe that we can learn from this Mishnah is the detail that the Rabbanshan put into the world that we have to be able to recognize and thank Hashem for that world. And that's something we have to do. When you when you bow in a few minutes for Mincha, it's one of the things to thank Hashem for. For the beautiful creations that He created our body. Again, like I said, I don't know if you watched the Shea or listened to the Shea about, about the lung, of how it works with the, you know, the air that goes in, it's processed and it comes out, how many millions of cells. Of, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's going on every day. And we're breathing every moment. Do we appreciate it? When was the last time you took a breath and you appreciated it? I spoke to someone, Benaz Manim, that went through a, a very bad surgery, whatever it was, where they couldn't even, like, standing up was a big problem for them. And they said to me, you know, now I'm going to start to appreciate this getting off a chair. You know, we get up of a chair and we think, what's the big deal? Like, why shouldn't I be able to stand up from the chair? But if we would, be struck with an illness that getting off on the chair would be painful, difficult, even maybe impossible then we'd suddenly realize, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how many muscles I have to use just by getting up from a chair. It's all about the details. Okay, we spoke this morning the idea of if we are in a job and you want to show that you love that job and you're into the job, you're going to, you've got to concentrate on the details. Yes, Hashem does care how you make the salad. Yes, Hashem does care if it's finished like this or like this. Why? Because it's an important to Him. And if it's important to Him, it should be important to us. And therefore the details make a very, very big difference. Now there's something else as well, which is also very, very important from this Mishnah before we move on. And that is, the Gemara tells us, in Brochas, that the world was created for us. The world was created for us to enjoy, as I've said before as well. Okay? And that's why it's an interesting thing. Why was it 
that man was created at the last moment. It's basically like number 10, number 9. Why? Why couldn't he be number 1? Like, first thing Hashem creates, human being. And then we'll create everything else. Why? Very simple. Because if you want to give someone something in the best way possible, let it be prepared for them. Okay? I remember when we opened up the yeshiva, over, just over five years ago, I remember just before the first few days, before the guys were coming, this yeshiva was never open. It was the first time guys would come to yeshiva. It was in the old building, right in my house. And we got this building in a really bad state. Not this one, the old one. And we had to do painting and all sorts of things. And... I remember, I, I mean, all my kids were there. My kids were painting the bedrooms, scraping off paint from the floor. They were making sure, and I made sure we got the pool table and the ping pong table. And someone said to me, like, what are you driving yourself crazy for? Let the guys go and get the ping pong table in two weeks. Like, big deal. Like, why do you have to be so busy with, like, all this narish kite? And I said, no, no, no. I want the guys to walk in. Remember, it was a new yeshiva as well, right? So, yeah, there was a, I want the guys to walk in and say, it's already set up. It's there. It's done. It's not like, yeah, we walked in and like, yeah, nothing was set up yet. Nothing was organized. And no one knows what's going on. No, no, no. There were signs. There was a logo. There were, everything was organized as if like you walked into Yeshiva that was set up for five years already. Because I wanted the guys to come in and feel comfortable that we're ready to go. The Rabbani Shalom did the same thing. He put man into the world, into a world that was already here. Into a world that was already ready to accept man. Whether it was food, vegetables, animals to work. Everything was here already. And that is a very, very important thing in that case. Now... Rav Chaim Velozhin in the Sefer Ruach Chaim brings down the idea that what does it mean that the Mishnah said it could have been created with one statement but it was created with ten for the Rishayim and for the Tzadikim. What about the Rishayim? What about the Tzadikim? Why is it punishing the Rishayim? And why is it rewarding the Tzadikim? And he says that since, Rav Chaim Velozhin says in the Sefer Ruach Chaim, since the world was created with ten statements that, you know, no individual can damage every element. Meaning, if the world was created with one Maimah, and when you do an Avera, it's damaging everything. But since it was created in 10 separate statements, when someone does an Avera, he's only damaging that aspect. But all the other aspects are still good. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's a very important thing. In other words, says the Ruach Chaim, if the world would have been created with one Maimah, then a person does an Avera, it's so overwhelming, he's destroying so much of the world, he would have had to be destroyed. So Bechesed Hashem, the Rabbani Shem, did it in 10 Mamorim, in 10 statements, so that when you do an Avera, it will only damage that specific idea and nothing else. And that's why the Rabbani Shem specifically did it in that case over there. And that's something for us to remember as well, to realize that the relationship of the Torah to the world is so harsher. People, there's a new, you know, people are running around trying to say we have to change the Torah. It's, it's not, it's not the modern times, 2023, we need to change things. It's not going with the time. Come on, get with the times, Rabbi. Gotta get moving. Gotta know what's going on in the world. Torah is forever. Torah is Nitzchis. And the Torah, by the way, talks to us. And so many problems that are going on in the world can be answered with that which the Torah already told us thousands of years ago. The Rabbi created the remedy for every makkah, for every problem. It's there, it's in the Torah, if you know how to look. And therefore, that's why the intricate details that the Rabbi created the world are so choshev. We cannot change them, we can't think to change them. They're part of our DNA, they're part of who we are, and they're part of what we represent. And that's why we have to realize that Chazal tell us that the Rabbi looked at the Torah and created the world. He looked at the Torah and created the world. That means the world is simply a reflection of the Torah. And the Torah is the blueprint of the world. So that's why when a person keeps the Torah, however he may restrict it, he may feel, but at the end of the day, 
he's going to enjoy the world the best because that's how the world was created. That's how the world was created. I was zoicha to have a yid sit in my house on Yontuf for a Shabbos Sida. He comes from a uh, very, very Hasidic background. Wonderful, wonderful boy. He decided, for whatever reason, it's not Nagay now, he decided he's going to leave Yiddishkeit and he went to live in Tel Aviv and he gave up everything. He did cold of Osr Shiboilam. Mamash gave up everything, everything, everything. Um, he recently decided to come back and uh, he ate uh, one of the cedars in my house on Yontif and uh, very talented person, very talented. And uh, he said to me, you know, I've, I've been there, done that, I've seen it all. I'm... Torah is the only thing that gives a person satisfaction and gives a person a sense of fulfillment. And that's coming from a person that, again, grew up in a from Chassidish home and that gave it all up, did everything, saw everything, did everything. He's come back. And he said, Torah is the only thing. Does that for Yomi, during the yeshiva, unbelievable. Amazing it. And it just shows us. The Rebunshim created Mamoros to create the world because he understood what we need for this world. How to use best, that's the Torah. And even if sometimes we look at the mitzvahs and we look at the halachas and someone like, oh, come on, I need to do that. Does it really? Yes. Detail. Detail, detail, detail. That's what we're saying over here, Rabbi Say, which is very Shkosha Mitzvah. Tomorrow, we'll do another Mishnah.